this morning. I'm just so excited. How many enjoyed Pastor Willem last week? He is back. And uh, this morning, I'm, I'm ready. I'm excited about to be able to share with you. If you're looking for a title for this message this morning, if you're going to take notes, I encourage you to do that. It's just called provide, providing, providing Place. It's provide, not providing a place. It's called Providing Place. And, you know, I, I'm reminded of a girl that many years ago that uh, she was kind of a negative girl. She was never a bride. She was always the bridesmaid in a wedding. And so she just couldn't wait to her day where she could get married one day. And one day she, she kind of, she was kind of, she liked negative news. How many of you being around people sometimes, they just like negative news? Okay, no one. Okay, well, you know, pray for me. I have a lot of people that I hear a lot in the negative news. And, and, uh, and she, comes to her, she comes to one of her best friends. She goes, I've got some good news. She said, what? What's the good news? She goes, I got married. And she goes, but I got, and she goes, oh, that's awesome, but I got some bad news too. She goes, well, what is it? He's ugly. <laughs> well, I got some good news though. And he said, well, what is it? He says, he's rich. She goes, oh, he's rich. Oh, girl. Yeah, but the bad news is he's stingy. <laughs> she said, but the good news is I live in a mansion. She goes, oh, I want to come see your house, girl. She goes, oh, it's incredible. Yeah, but the bad news, it burnt down. She goes, oh, that's horrible. That's, I can't believe this. She said, well, 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 what's the good news? She said, well, the good news is he was in it anyway. All right, I got y'all's attention this morning. Let's go to Acts chapter 15. And so, Pastor Bob, what does that story have to do with anything? Nothing. <laughs> some of us like good news, and some of us would rather hear bad news. And so this morning, I just want to bring some good news to you. Amen? And this morning, if you would turn with me to the, to, uh, the book of Acts. And uh, Acts is just the Acts of the Apostles and Disciples. And the, act, the book of Acts is continually to be written. It's, it, even though that it has... So many chapters in this, uh, those, those, there's still books being written. There's still being things. There's exploits that people that follow the Lord and that love the Lord Jesus that are continuing to see God do great exploits and great things. And so this morning, if you would go with me to chapter 15, verses 8 through 12. And, and I just want to share a few things with you this morning. It says, Acts 15, verse, uh, verse 8. It says, now, God knows people's hearts. Now, let me just stop there. How many of you know that sometimes we think we know somebody? Isn't it amazing that we judge people by their acts, but we judge ourselves by our motives? And you see, it says God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And see, what's happening is God's making... See, what happened, if you don't know, there was an argument. There was what was happening. The Jewish people were getting saved, but also these Gentiles were getting saved. These peoples that weren't raised in Judaism. And what happened is as they started getting saved, they wanted to put some of the same conditions and laws and, and, and rules upon these Gentiles. And so they're saying, look, we're all the same. And so but God brought salvation. God brought the Holy Spirit that we can bear witness. And he said, he made no distinction between us and them. For he cleansed their hearts through faith. You can't, you know what? There's a lot of times that we want to clean fish before you know, God, we, gotta, we, we want to clean people up before they even come to know the Lord. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 
You know, and, and he's like, he's saying, listen, man, you just bring them. And, and you know what? I, my, my desire is I just want to be a guide and lead people right to Jesus. Are you hearing me? And then, you know what? When he catches them, when he hooks them, he'll bring them ashore and he'll clean them. Amen? It's not my job. It's not your job to try to clean the fish before they get caught. Hello? It's not about you do this, you don't do this. It's just, hey, why don't you just come? And let me tell you about this, this man that came. His name is Jesus. Man, he can change your life. Amen? Has he changed your life? And see, what he says, he says, he says, um, he goes on and says, so why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that, that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? You know, my son Matt is in Israel. He just got back and he's talking to his mom on the phone and he was, and he was telling her a story how, you know, many of the Jewish young people there in, in Jerusalem and in, in, in Israel where he was, he was able to witness to them. And they're saying, we just don't like all the rules in the stuff. And we have to pray at a certain time, a certain way. And he, and, and he said, we just don't want really to hear him. Matt go, and he goes, what, what are y'all's laws? And I love what Matt said. He said, he told his mom, he said, we believe in the law of love. He said, well, one of the guys will explain that. And he said, well, I pray anytime I want to. And God hears me. And he began to share about the grace of God to these young people. And he just really ministered to them. And he has a real burden. He's going back in a month. And so it's like, it's incredible. And, you know, people are looking. You know, how many, how many like being told what to do? Is it, all right, you know, is it bad? No, it's not bad, all right? How many of you hate being told what to do sometimes? Come on, let's be honest. I do, okay? So my wife's the kind of person, she likes being told what to do. I'm the kind, I hate being told what to do. Does that make sense? And so, anyway, I'm not going to go there, but anyway. But it just goes on to say, it's challenging me, it's, a, it's removing the yoke. And see, you know, it reminds me when a man... When, well, there, was a, there was a guy that was a multimillionaire, and one day a kid came up to him, and, and, as he, and he said, man, how did you do it? And he goes, well, as a young man, you know, uh, when I first got married, I was dirt poor. How many of you can relate? And he said, man, I, we were just so poor, and, and, and man, it, we just went through tough times, but I was very energetic. I had a lot of vision. I had a lot of purpose. And, and he said, one day I had a nickel left, and I took my last nickel, and I bought an apple. He said, well, tell me how you got rich. He said, well, listen to the story, and I'll tell you. And so I took this apple that I bought for a nickel, and I took it that night, and I shined it as much as I could. The next day, I took it out on the street, and I sold it for a dime. And he said, then I took that dime, and I bought two apples. And I shined those up that night, and I went back to the market, and I got 20 cents. And, I, and I, when I got the 20 cents, I went and bought four apples. Come on, y'all with me. And he said, man, and then when I bought the four apples, and he got to $1.90. And he said, man, I just, and he said, and, and, and then he said, I polished them. I took that, that, that 40 cents of the eight apples, and I went on my way until I reached $1.60. Then my, then my wife's father died and left us a million dollars. See, that's just like us. We try to say I'm rich in the things of the Lord because of my fasting, my prayer, my devotions, my sacrifice, but it's just apple polishing. Hello, are you with me this morning? 
He said, when, when in reality we are rich only because Jesus died and opened the floodgates of God's grace upon us. You see, it goes on to say, and here they are, everyone listen quietly. Is Barnabas, well, I'm saying, we, verse 11, we believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told them about the miracles, miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Miracles are proof God was, was, was with them and was working through them. You know, I believe this. You need to provide a place. See, many times we provide a place and we worship the residue of man, or what a man does or what a man says. Hello. I mean, I, I know people that they can't miss a, ter- a certain television program of, of a certain preacher. And, and, or it, it just like, and every, they listen to every word that person says when really, the, you know what? I'm not saying don't, don't listen to what they have to say or don't use that. But let me tell you, you always need to go back to the Spirit of God. God, what are you trying to tell me? Listen, God doesn't want, doesn't want to make copycats. God makes originals, amen? And you're original. And all you have to do is be satisfied and, be, and rejoice in the way God made you. Amen? And see, you know, the fire is self-advertising. And what do you mean, Pastor Bo? You know, if you've ever seen a house burn, it, it pretty much tells its own story. A campfire, a bonfire. I remember one time we did a, a, a thing, I mean, years ago, and we called it Fire Night. Here at the church, I mean, if you remember that, we got a big old stack of wood, and you remember, and, and what happened, we were, we were coming, it was a worship night and everything, and we got permission from the city, the fire department and everything else, and the fire started raging, and it was great, there was nothing going to burn or anything, but I remember the fire department forgot that they'd given us permission. So on our fire night, when we were celebrating, we were going to worship, and then we were going to go out to the fire, and it represented something, but the fire department came and put our fire out. Because people said, the church is on fire. I mean, people thought that because the fire was behind, it was like right where you are, right here. Remember? And I was like, man, wouldn't that be great if the church was really on fire? You're going, what, you want the place to burn, Pastor? No, I'm talking about if the people of God were on fire for Him. See, I don't mind people going, man, that church is on fire. And what that represents is like, man, they're filled with people that love God, that honor Him, and want to see. They don't, and, and there's a monument in Virginia. It says, don't come to gaze by. Don't come to glance by. Come to gaze. Come to look. Come here to spend time and look at the beauty and the scenery. And see, we're so busy sometimes in our lives, we stop. And what we do is we just glance instead of gaze upon God sometimes. Amen? Sometimes we go, we go through the song service and go, oh, you know, praise God, we sang. That was great. Hallelujah. But then it just, it's something passed by. See, I, I've learned this. You've got to have the real thing because the real thing will do all the self-advertisement you need. Amen? How many of you know you can't cut a tree down with something that comes from it? How many ever try to cut a tree with a stick? Can you? That's like you trying to do something in your own power. You see, an axe handle, the, the axe handle is used, but you need an axe head. And that's the church. The church is the axe head. And see, for us, if I make members out of, out of people, I have to take care of you. And that's not what God wants. See, but if, you, if, you, if God makes you and he takes care of you, you know what? He can use you. 
And see, I know this. A one-eyed man is a champion to the blind. And sometimes I feel like I'm a blind man. I mean, there's a lot of blind people, and I got one eye, and I'm trying to look. You ever feel that way? But a one-eyed man is a champion to anybody that's blind. And so for you, you go, I don't have the abilities, I don't have the gifts to be able to share with people about the Lord or show them things. Listen, let me tell you something. If someone is blind and you give them a glimmer of the light of God and the love of God and the power of God, can I tell you something? You are a champion in God's book. Look at your neighbor and say, man, you're a champion. You don't even know it. Come on, just look at him and say, hey, champ. You see... Turn with me one more time to the book of Acts, chapter 16. I'm going to read some verses. And I love this story. I love this story. And it says in it's, Acts chapter 16, says, Around midnight, verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew the sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We're all here! The jailer called for the lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked them, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in the household. Even at the hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in the household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Pastor Bubba, listen, look at me. When you go through a hard time and a difficult, difficult time... You need to stop griping and you need to start singing. I know a lot of people, they get in a circumstance and they gripe and they complain. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And see, Paul and Silas could have been in there and go, man, I'm, I mean, all we did was do what God told us to do. Dang, man, I got chains on. I mean, they beat the snot out of us. I mean, we're here. You know what they did? In the middle of the night. There wasn't no band. There wasn't no music. There wasn't no angelic choir. There wasn't a bright light that shined through the prison prison walls. They just began to sing praises and hymns to God. And the Bible says they were in prison. And sometimes when we're in difficult circumstances and difficult situations, people are looking at our lives. And they go, man, you're in prison because of this. Or you're in prison because of that. Some people are in prison financially. Some people are in prison in relationships. Some people are in prison because of Habits or things that they've allowed to accumulate in their lives. How many are you talking about? Or some of you may be in the prison of a difficult circumstance or situation and people are watching you. You know, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, kind of give me, in 1975, 1976, a big song that I used to have. I used to have the eight-track cassette tape. It was a, a group called Thin Lizzy. Anybody remember Thin Lizzy? Come on, you know, all the rock and rollers in the back, you know. And they used to have a song called Jailbreak. Do you remember that song? And they, they were planning on that. Like, Tonight we're going to have a jailbreak. And they're going to talk about all the things they're doing. And they're planning because they're going to have this jailbreak. It's a great song. But anyway, just I wouldn't listen to it with your devotions. But anyway. But I was reminded of that because when they broke out, there was like, there was like freedom. And see, let me tell you something. People are watching. Even when I've walked through difficult times, 
You know, as I walked through cancer, I met a guy last night that I, I knew and that I had some influence in his life when he was younger. His name is Jason Este, and he's been cancer-free for four years. He said, Pastor Bubba, I've been praying for you for the first time I ever heard it. And he, and he was just rejoicing. And I said, well, Jason, I've been free for three weeks, and I believe in God's going to... You know what I'm saying? God brings hope. Come on. God gives hope so you can cope, and I can go on that. You don't need to cope and dope. But anyway, I, I can do all my lines. Anyway, I'm not here for that. But, but the thing is, is that... You know, for us, people are watching as we're in circumstances. And can I tell you something? As they begin, instead of gripe, as they begin to look to God, as they begin to sing, God brought an earthquake. Things around them begin to shake. And see, can I tell you, how many you know that sometimes you want to stop singing even when you see things shaking around you? Oh, man, things are, whoa! Things are, that's when they just pressed in. You see, when things are shaking all around you, you don't know what God's, God's fixing to bring a breakthrough or a jailbreak in your life. And here it is. They have a jailbreak. I wish I could play the, the music to that song in the back. Just the music, not the word. It's just a great music. Anyway, don't look it on your iPod yet in church. But anyway, some of you are like, wait a minute. Yeah, you're not taking notes. But anyway. And so what happens is you're, you're there and all of a sudden God brings an earthquake and all of a sudden, the prison doors are open. Why? Because they're singing. They're looking to God. Even in their circumstances, when they just want to... It'd be easier to gripe. It'd be easier to complain. It'd be easier just to quit. It'd be easier less... Well, I don't want to read my Bible. It'd be easier not to be positive anymore. It'd be easy to give up hope. How I many you know it's easier to go do the things of the world than sometimes stand for God? And here they are. They go, you know what? We're going to worship God. No matter what our circumstances, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm facing right now. I talked to a man right now. His wife's on her deathbed. And he said, Bubba, can you come and see me either Monday or Tuesday? Because she has a daughter that's an MD and she's got a PhD. And they don't know the Lord. Would you just come and pray for my wife and just share with them? And maybe as you share with my wife, God may use you to speak into their lives. You know what he's looking for? He's looking. There are people that are bound by this world. Are you hearing me? And they need a jailbreak. They need things around. Because things are shaking. But instead of looking to God, they're looking at everything else. And the jailer hears everything and everything breaks apart. And he's about to kill himself. I talked to someone this week. Called me ready to commit suicide. He said, Pastor, I just had a call. He didn't come to our campus here. He goes to another camp, our Eunice campus. He said, I'm, and he's really struggled with crack cocaine. I mean, that's a difficult thing to break. I had a medical doctor said, it's almost impossible, Baba, unless God comes and sets him free. It's almost an impossible situation, medically, what happens and how people become dependent on things like that. And I began to share with him. He began to cry. And he said, man, I've had good weeks. I've had good months. And then I go back. And then I, I just do it again. And I begin to share with him just some different things. And I said, let me, let me tell you something, man. What you think needs to happen in the physical, that you need to die, it's really what God's trying, what God's trying to speak to you. Spiritually, you need to die. And you need to die to yourself, die to your desires, and let God come and live inside of you. And that's where a lot of people mistake what they think needs to happen. How I many you know, in order to come to the Lord, that we have to be willing to lose our identity? It's you give yourself to God. You know what? When you give yourself to God, 
It's not just asking. You give yourself to God. Here I am. <laughs> I've tried to do this myself. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I've tried to do things myself. I've done. How many? And I've fallen flat on my face. But God, I'm giving you the reins in my life. And sometimes God puts that bit in our mouth and we don't like the taste. We don't like the way the bit feels. But God's saying, take a left. And you go, no, no, I want to take a right. No, you've taken a right before. We're going to take a left in this. And, and I'm coming back to the story. Are you with me? And some of us, we like the buck. Come on. Some of us like this. Some of us want to be like Mr. You know, remember Mr. Ed? We want to talk. I ain't going there, Wilbur. Sometimes we want to be like that. But God's saying, man, just you let me put the bit in my, let me guide you, let me lead you. And you know what? And you'll have a jailbreak in your life. And see, there are people that are looking, and when they see that we get a jailbreak in our life, when we get freedom, all of a sudden they're going, oh, I don't know what to do. And, and Paul's going to stop right there. And because he saw what happened, you know, he says he brings a candle. He was looking, he brought a light, looking for the light. And all of a sudden, he, they begin to share with him about having a relationship with Jesus. He gives his heart to the Lord on the spot. And he said, it can happen to your family too. If you trust him, your family can trust him as well. And we know the rest of the story. So the prisoner situation only brings out what God wants, wanted to perform in our lives. Sometimes when we face situations, God has something greater that he wants to reveal, that he really wants to show. Are y'all with me this morning? You're in the right place. You see, I don't want, you know, I just know this. When you give your life to God, let me just explain something to you. When you give your life to God, you make yourself pray for the enemy. You do. Can I just tell you something? If you're really a threat, he's coming after you. Hello. I mean, no, have you ever felt that? It's kind of like in the morning when a when a uh, when a uh, a gazelle wakes up in the morning, he better get up and be running because you know what's face ch- chasing him down is a lion. You got to be running. You got to hit the ground running. And see, for many of us, you know what happens is the enemy comes and he looks at looks for ways to trap us and ensnare us. He's like he's like a trapper. He's looking for setting a trap. How many ever walked into a trap? Didn't see it. Not an animal trap, but a trap of the enemy. What have you ever seen animal shows where they get caught in traps? Come on. You know, they got the, you know, the wolf. You know, he's kind of, we're going to trap this wolf, this mountain snow wolf. You know, whatever. I don't know. And then you see when they, when they, they don't see the snare, but what happens is when they step into the snare, it just clamps down. And it clamps. And when it clamps, it holds him. And there's a chain that's wrapped around a tree or nailed to a tree or whatever. And, and they're trying to get away. And you ever see when they're, what they're doing? They're trying to literally tear their leg off. Because they want out of the trap. And there's so many people that walk in snares in this life. And they really want out of the trap. And they don't know how to do anything but harm themselves even deeper to try to get out of the trap. Because look at me. The only one that can get you out of the snares and the traps of life is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one. I want more than enough, not just enough in God. How about you? 
You see, how can these men be satisfied? My question is, how how come sometimes people are so satisfied with just having a little bit of God? Listen, little God, little faith. Come on, preach with me. You you already ahead of me. Little God, little things. Go through a big situation and you realize you have a big God. God's going to get you out of big situations and circumstances. Come on. Look, if you can't take care of the little things in your life, don't expect when the big things in life come, you're going to be able to know how to do something. Because see, it's easy to serve God when everything's going good and fine. Hello. But when things get out of control, come on. Then you need a big situation because you haven't, you haven't tried to experience it. Listen, you start out, the Bible even says this. If you start out, if you're faithful with a little, come on, help me out. If you're faithful with a little, God will give you what? More. How many want more God? Look, three people. Okay, good. In the back. How many of you want more of God? Help me out this morning. I know it's Labor Day weekend. People are like, oh, you know, hey. You know what, listen. A little bit. God's going, you know, can I give you a little more? Can I give you a little more? Can I tell you something? I want more of God than I've ever had in my life. How about you? If you're satisfied with a little bit, that's where you'll stay. See, we need a day. There's a story of a guy that came to a preacher, and it was a young man. He says, you know, Pastor, I want to die, and I want to know God. He goes, Come on, come with me. So he takes him out to the woods. And as he brings him to the woods, he, uh, he ties him down. And he said, you want to die and know God? He said, yes, sir. Yes, pastor, I do. And so when he tied him down, he put him in the water. And he started drowning him. And he, I mean, you think waterboarding's bad. I mean... Literally, he's drowning this guy out in the middle of the woods. And he went, rises up and out of the water. He goes, Bam! What are you trying to do, man? You trying to, are you crazy? Are you trying to kill me? And the pastor looked at him until you grasp for air and breathe, then you're not ready to have all of God. And see, for us, you got to be grasping. I need God. Listen to me, before I came to know the Lord, I needed God. I was a mess. My mama sent me to counselors, psycho people. You know, they said, what do you see in these clouds? Clouds. I remember looking at the psychiatrist. You ain't going to make me crazy. And I I said, I said, no, I'm, you know, I see clouds and that's all I'm going to tell you I see. So if you're going to spend time with me and you're going to make me see imaginary things, I'm I'm not going to see anything imaginary. You hear me? And that was the end of the session. I don't know how much my mom paid. But that was it. You see, what we need sometimes, you know, we, we can't often get to a new place in God in worship and our relationship with God until we get to a new place in God. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? You know, I used to hear my grandmother and them, and they'd go, man, I just need to get drunk in the Holy Ghost. You ever hear that? I believe this. Look at me. I believe some of you need to have a good, stiff, Holy Ghost sip of the new wine. Drink some wine. What do you mean? 
Now, I'm not talking about the physical wine. Well, I've been waiting for that release for a long time, Pastor. No, I'm not talking about I'm talking about when God serves wine, you drink the wine he gives you. When he serves bread, you drink, you eat the bread that he gives you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And some of you just need a good Holy Ghost Pentecostal drunk in your life. What do you mean? You ever see drunk people? Are they friendly sometimes? Sometimes drunk people can either be real friendly or real mean. You know what I'm talking about? It just depends. I have some family members, they get real nice. You know, when I used to get drunk, I was one of those nice drunks. I'd have to, I'd have to next morning I'd wake up and I'd look at my money clip to see how much money I had left because I was so friendly to people. I had lots of friends. How you know what I'm talking about? And I've been around mean drunks. Say things that you tell them they said. Oh, I didn't say that. Oh, yeah, you did. You got on the chandelier and jumped, Chad. Some of you are just one resolution, one step from a breakthrough, a jailbreak in your life. The Bible says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And see, God, that's what we need to do. We need to be at Jesus' feet and say, Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done in this life, in my life. Your will. Not my will, but your will be done. How many of you want the will of God in your life? Then guess what? There needs to be a kingdom breakdown. Your kingdom needs to break down, and you need to let the kingdom of God come into your heart. And I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to say, hey, man, because we're going somewhere this morning. See, I believe this. is that, you, know, you know, I believe that God wants, God's given us salvation. He believes us the Holy Spirit so we can walk in His power. I believe that, you know, He wants to erase differences in people. It's not the pigment of your skin. It's not where you grew up. God breaks down differences. But, you know, and He also gives it. He takes off that yoke of all the law and all the traditions and everything else. But God wants to bring a breakthrough. And He wants you to have a heart. To give, you know. Joseph purchased a place where the dead could come alive. Sometimes we need to lay down your faith with your gift. You see, you look with me in Luke. You might not need to turn there, but you can write it down. Luke chapter 21, verse 1 through 4. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts into the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. 21, verse 1 and 4, and he says... I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. You know, the thing I always like to say, give an offering you're going to miss. But see, in our giving, the issue is not the amount. Look at me. It's not the amount. It's the cost. Hello, are you with me? It's the cost. You see, after a plague had passed through Israel, leaving an incredible death toll in, in the kingdom, David was instructed by the Lord to build an altar and sacrifice to him. To do so, David sought to purchase a piece of property that wasn't his. It was another man's. And he went and he said, he said uh, and hearing the re- and, and this man hearing the reason that David wanted to buy the field to sacrifice and to worship God... You know, he said, I'll give you the field. And David, David said, 
He said, no, 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 no. He goes, I'll donate the land so you can do what God told you to do. He says, no, no. David Howard insisted to pay the full price. And this is what he said. I will not sacrifice to the Lord of that which costs me nothing. In other words, a man after God's heart. David reveals the father's heart towards giving. God neither desire. God doesn't desire tips. God wants us to give. And I'm not taking an offering right now. I'll do that later. That's not why I'm sharing this. Because, see, you can't, I've learned this, you can't make wine with one grape. How many you know that? How many you try it? Don't, don't raise your hand. Say this with me. Say, I'm a harvester. No, say it with me. Say, I'm a harvester. I talked to that, uh, that man this morning. I was praying for a man. He just, he just harvested 160 acres of rice. Telling me they're going to try for a second crop. So he's all excited about his harvest. He's rejoicing over his harvest. And see, the kingdom of God is about the harvest. And you're part of the harvest. You're a worker in God's harvest field. Say it with me again. Say, I'm a harvester. Let me tell you something. You know what the report was before the storm came? There was farmers working together as much as they could to get the harvest in. Did you see it in the paper? They were were saying, man, we're getting all the farmers so we can get as much harvest as we can because they knew a storm was coming. See, the storm of the lights are coming. It's affecting you. It's effects. We have special effects. And see, for many of us, a storm was coming through, a dark moment, and they didn't know if they were going to be able to get what they could. And let me tell you something. The kingdom of God is about getting the harvest. It's seeing the people out there and realizing, you know what? God, you've called me to be a harvester. You know what? You, God may give you a Massey Ferguson spirit. God may give you a John Deere spirit. Come on. I don't know if you're, if you're a case tractor or a case spirit, uh, you know, farm all spirit, whatever. I just know this. God has called you and I to be harvesters in his harvest field. And you can't harvest if you're just always looking at you in your own field. You've got to look beyond what you, what's around you and begin to allow God to show you everything else around you. Luke and I were in the football stadium last night. We were kind of high. And he goes, Dad. He looks at me, he's joking. He goes, I can see Texas from here. Sometimes you need to position yourself in a different place, in a different way. Then you begin to see. You know, sometimes it's good for me to get away and go to another town and preach somewhere or another, another country. You know why? Because when I come back, I'm thankful for what God has given me. I'm thinking about, I'm thankful for what, I remember as I was flying to California one time and the Lord, and I was flying over and we flew over, we were leaving Lafayette and I could see the property. And the Lord began to, and, and I could see it was harvest time and people, they had all these fields that were being harvested and stuff. And the Lord spoke this to me. I'm serious. When I looked at the property, he said, look, Bubba, I want you to look around. You see everybody harvesting? They're getting as much as they can. He said, son, I'm going to give you a harvest. How many of you believe in for your family to come to know the Lord? How many believe? The question is, what are you doing about what you believe besides believing? Come on. What does a farmer have to do? I'm get, they've got some guys that were farmers, grew up being farmers. You've got to prepare. 
See, you got to prepare yourself. Put yourself in a position. Look for certain things that you see. You see certain weeds and there's certain uh, herbicides that you spray or things that you do. And why you buy certain seeds and why you do certain things at a certain time. And why you need the levee system to be right when you need water, when you don't need water. You're watching the weather. You're watching the conditions. You're watching everything. You're aware. But sometimes in the kingdom of God, can I just be honest with you? Okay, I like that little commercial, that little cartoon. <laughs> well, where do we go? <laughs> and you know what God's really wanting to do? God wants you to give you a breakthrough spirit, a jailbreak spirit, that you're not like the rest of the world, that you begin to see things like God sees things. The reason you have a burden for your family is because you love them. And that you want their lives to be different. Because God has changed your life. You know, I know this. An empty boat is not good when it comes in to the harbor if you're a fisherman. It's a full boat, almost sinking. That's a good sign. Amen? And that's how I want to be. I want, that's how I want you to be. I want you to be people. Listen to me. You represent the kingdom of God. Hello? You are ambassadors. You are representatives of God's kingdom. If you like it or not, you represent something... Do you represent singing? Or do you represent griping and griping and complaining? People are watching you. People are watching your situations. Whatever you're in, whatever you're going through, people are watching. There's a scripture that scares me every time I read it. Let me just read it. And it says, and it's in Samuel. It says, Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phineas, was pregnant. And near her time of delivery, when she heard that the ark of God had been captured and the father-in-law and the husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth. She died in childbirth. But before she passed away, the midwives tried to encourage her. Don't be afraid, they said. You have a baby boy. But she did not answer or pay attention to them. She named the child Ichabod. Which means... Where is the glory, or the glory has departed? For she said, Israel's glory is gone. She named him this because the ark of God had been captured because her father-in-law and husband were dead. Can I just tell you something? Don't allow the devil to rob you of the glory and the power of God. The ark of the covenant represented the presence of God. God, the greatest privilege you can have in the Old Testament is being called this, the people of his presence. You know, wherever you go, God's with you. Oh, yeah, he's always telling me. No, no. If God is with you all the time, that means even when you blow it, he lets you know you blow it to come back. Doesn't he? Just make it right. Get right. Get, you don't have to stay there. But see, the enemy wants to dig a pit where you fall into it, and he wants to rob you of the presence of Jesus, the presence of God in your life, to be able to walk in God's power, to be able to see the grace of God, to be able to see what God does in your life. Yet even though God's people are are faithless towards him, he remains faithful to them. That's what 2 Timothy says. No matter if we're faithless, no matter when I blow it. How many blew blew it this week? Come on. How many blew it? At least once. Twice. How about... Every hour of the night. 24-7, Pastor. God never gave up on Israel. And can I tell you something? Because he never gave up on Israel, he'll never give up 
on you. Aren't you glad? How many have you had a few people give up on you? Come on. Try being a pastor when they say, we're leaving. Why? We're just leaving. Okay. Is there something I did? No. Something I said? Oh, no, you're great. Then why are you leaving? And you know what I had to do with people? I don't try to just, at that point I just go, God bless you. God bless you. See, if God is with us, sometimes we go, why does all this bad stuff happen? And where are the miracles we've always heard about? To this day, people don't seem to realize that he doesn't cause the bad stuff. Hello? But instead, he equips us with authority and the power to face the assignment that we face to deal with the devil and his works. How many believe that? It's not up to us to learn how to use the tools God's given us. If we don't, the devil can take, he'll just rob and steal us from us. Our adversary attempts to get you to back off from what you're called to do. Storms bring out the things that need to be adjusted before you walk in on the other side. Remember Jesus' disciples went through the storm and they said they had to go through the storm to get to the other side? It prepares us for the other side. Let me ask you a real personal question this morning. How many of you facing a storm right now in your life? Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. How many of you facing a storm? How many of you facing circumstances that seem difficult? And sometimes when we go through those storms, can I just tell you something? Look at me. When we go through those times, we go, God, where are you? Can I tell you where he is? He's at the head of the ship. He's the captain. He's, dry, he's steering you through the storm. You know, when I really came to know, really hunger for God, it was because I got in a storm for 11 days. I mean, I mean one day's bad enough. But literally, we got stuck offshore when I was a surveyor. We were doing, we were putting this uh, pipeline, running it through the Gulf of Mexico, keeping it in line with the barges that lay down the pipe and blah, blah, blah. I'm not getting all that. But I remember the first day, it was okay. Then a storm came, and we were so far out, we didn't have enough time. It was just a sudden thing, and we couldn't get in. So we had a tie to a sea buoy, and we were tied to the sea buoy for 11 days. Sammy, 11 days. How many of you know that's a long time? And listen, I never had my sea legs. What that means, I never got used to when the... And when that would happen, can I tell you what would happen to me? I would make long-distance phone calls to Europe. I was Europe and everywhere. I had a burden for Europe. And I remember I'd given all I had. Come on, can I just, can you hear, can you bear witness? I had the dry heaves without drinking anything. And I remember being in that bed, read all the books, and then there was a book at the bottom of a duffel bag that I made a deal 
that my grandmother would give me Bibles, and I always kept a Bible in the bottom of my duffel bag, a little blue Bible. And I remember, my thought was if the boat went down or if the helicopter crashed, somehow I'd pull out my blue ticket and go, God, I brought it with me. Somehow we can, let's work that deal. That's how I thought. Can I tell you something? We're all, how many you know we're always, we're wheelers and dealers? Come on, don't mind. Why do, why do you think the Cachado, the Cachado does so well? How many of y'all done bad this week? Don't raise your hand. I'm just, I'm anyway, fishing. And so what happens is I, I read everything and I pull out that book and I just did a little prayer. I said, God, if you're real, show me. How I many you know God loves to do things like Oh, show you? I'll show you. I'll speak to you. Lily spoke to me. I don't I need to go into all that. You've heard it. I don't want to bore you. But there will be pain when you carry the glory of God sometimes. It'll be difficult. I and I'm I'm knowing this. I don't want to be a tourist. How could Abraham live in a tent all his life? Because you know why? He saw a city. And he said, the city whose maker is God. That's why he could live in a tent. And he was not a tourist. You know what? The greatest name that a person of a nation of Israel could ever be called is the people of his presence. And I love this. If there's no rain, there's no praise. If there's no praise, it's because there's no rain. What do you mean by that? You can't live without rain. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Just like you can't live without rain. You know, how many of you know we've had enough rain? But I'm talking about the reign of God. And let me just finish this. This is a picture of the book of Revelations at the end. And it says, and it describes heaven. How many of you, our destination is heaven? How many of you go to heaven? How many of you will go to hell? Look, I don't want anybody to go to hell. Oh, you know, you know. I remember one time we put a thing is, uh, hell's, a, hell's not a big part. You know, hell is a party, but you're the barbecue. You see, the thing is, is that he begins to describe, the writer of Revelation begins to describe a little bit. He has a vision. And this is what you need to have. You need to have a vision of God. And that's why I want to pray this morning, that God will give you fresh vision. That he's with you, that he's for you, and everything. He says in Revelation, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nation's. No longer will there be curse upon anything. For the throne of God and the Lamb and of the Lamb will be there. And his servants will worship him. And they will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night nor uh, there no, no need of lamps or sun. For the, the Lord God will shine on them. And they will reign forever and ever. And the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. 
the Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angels to tell his servants what will happen. Look, I'm coming again. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. It's Apostle John. He sees the glory of God. And you know, I don't serve God to get a mansion. I'm not trying to serve God to get things even while I'm here on earth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because that's what people want sometimes. They want things. They want the things of God, but they don't want God. Hello? And my encouragement to you is this. If you want all that God has for you, if you allow God to bring that breakthrough and that jailbreak in your life, God will do things that you never dreamed that he could ever do in your family, in your life, and with people around you. Come on, am I making sense this morning? And my, and my desire for every one of you is you allow the fire, that means the presence of God, just to be upon you. Remember when Moses came down from the mountain? He said, I want to see you, God. And God gave him a, bit, a taste of his glory. And they had to put a veil around his face. But that veil has been broken. And we can literally walk around no matter what we walk through with the glory of God. That's a privilege that we have. That people dreamed about having. Gideon and the prophets and all those. They just dreamed about what we have. The privilege that we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. David, he said, Lord, you know, take not that Holy Spirit away from me. They got a glimpse of what we have the privilege of having. And we take it so lightly. Don't we? And my desire for you this morning is that you would just allow God to